رحم الله من قرأ سورة المباركة الفاتحة مع الصلاة على محمد وآل محمد أعوذ بالله السميع العليم من العين الغاوية شيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وبه نستعين والحمد لله رب العالمين والآقبة للمتقين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين المعصومين المذنومين الميامين المهديين ولعنة الله أدائم على عدائهم أجمعين أما بعد فقال الله تعالى في كتابه المجيد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا إن تنصروا الله ينصركم ويثبت أقدامكم I begin in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and extend my tabrikat to all of you on this beautiful day of which the only greater day after this is Laylatul Qadr on the 15th of Sha'aban the night that is the lesser of the of the Layali Al-Qadr right it's a it's like almost like a night of preparation for Laylatul Qadr and it is of course the night in which we gather to remember the birth of the savior القائم من آل محمد صلوات الله وسلامه عليه. And it's amazing how these two things coincide, isn't it? On one hand, we gather to remember the birth of the Imam of the time, and it is also a night of great du'a and ziyara. Of course, du'a kumail is maqsus for the 15th of Sha'aban. And on the wafat of Amir al-Mu'mineen is the 21st night of Ramadan. <laughs> it's quite incredible how some of these most powerful and most important nights where our destiny is determined by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the basis of our a'mal, on the basis of our dua, on the basis of our istighfar, and our seeking of forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, that also coincide with um, you know, the munasabat of Ahlul Bayt, salamullahi alayhim, the, the occasions of the wafayat or wiladat of Ahlul Bayt. The ayah that I began with from Surah Muhammad, ayah 7, states, O you who believe, if you help the cause of God, God will help you. And he will make sure that your feet are firm. He will make sure that you are steadfast. He will give you strength, the strength that you need. That if you take the step towards God, Allah will take 10 steps towards you. That's what Allah is saying in the Quran essentially. That we have to have the courage to reach out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To beseech Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help. To beseech Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for strength and assistance. Right? And then you will, he will aid you. Yansurkum. وَيُثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَكُمْ And he will not only aid us and give us his divine assistance, but he will give us strength. And what does this have to do with 
Sahib al-Asri wa Zaman, I'll tell you, in one of the final letters written, in the conclusion of that letter of, of Sahib al-Zaman written to Uthman bin Sa'id, right? There's, there's a genre of literature known as tuqiyat. These are the letters written by Sahib al-Asri wa Zaman to his various special representatives during the Ghaybat al-Sughra, during the lesser part of the occultation. Today I'll just narrate to you two lines from this letter. From the letter that the Imam wrote to Uthman bin Sa'id al-Umari. Where he says, وَلَكِنْ أَقْدَارُ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ لَا تُغَالِبْ لَا تُغَالِبْ وَإِرَادَتُهُ لَا تُرَدُّ وَتَوْفِيقَهُ لَا يُسْبَقْ that the determinations that when Allah determines something, it cannot be overcome. If Allah has determined that the reappearance of the Imam will happen at a certain time, of course with certain conditions, this is a whole theological discussion as to the, you know, the, the discourse between Allah determining the Imam to come at a certain time and what we can do to hasten the appearance of the, of, of the Imam. We're kind of shelving that discussion for a moment. But we focus on the point here where the Imam is saying that, you know, there is an element in all of this which is the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's, there, there's a certain test that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is putting us through during this period of the ghaybah. And this cannot be overcome. And His will. His irada and divine will cannot be pushed back. It cannot be turned around. It cannot be removed. And to whomever he gives his tawfiq, it cannot be outstripped. Nobody can go ahead of it. So then the imam gives us a piece of advice. He gives us a state of mind to understand our situation during the ghaybah during the occultation. Then the Imam says, So then they are invited, the Shia are invited, the Mu'mineen are invited to first turn away against, against their desires. Meaning if they want to connect with the Imam spiritually, if they want to benefit from the Imam during the occultation, during the period when he cannot physically be seen, the first thing that they must do is that they have been encouraged to turn away from their desires. Meaning those desires that are opposed to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those desires that are not in line with what Allah and His Messenger will for us. So that they may stay on their origins. What's the point here, my dear brothers and sisters? What's the point? Let's get to the point here. During the occultation, during the period of the ghaybah, during these years, there will be challenges that will be presented in front of our eyes, in front of our communities, in front of our families. So what will the followers of the 12th Imam do? Will they turn away from their desires and remain upon their asl, upon their origins of their beliefs and their practices, which are sound, of course, ala sunnat al-wadiha, those things that are on a, on a clear sunnah. Or will they choose to create something new? 
The imam hears, what is he saying? He says, we invite them to remain steadfast on the path of that they have already chosen. And Allah has told us in the Quran that those who assist in the way of God, God will come to their aid and He will give them that strength. And there are certain things that Allah has not revealed to us. There's certain knowledge that you and I do not know, that we will never know. We have to come to accept this as a reality. You and I do not deserve to know everything. And they do not investigate into things that Allah has covered. There are certain things that will remain a mystery. That will remain in the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we have to make peace with that. And this period of the occultation, this period of the ghaybah, this period of the absence of the imam, of his physical absence, his spiritual absence, his, spirit, his soul is not absent, of course, but his physical absence is one of those times. So what do we mean by abandon our desires? Let's get to this for a moment here. Because I think this should have a very practical message. Our hearts, my dear brothers and sisters, have to be emptied of the sacrificial idols before it can be filled with the belief and the aqidah and love and expression of devotion to Allah and his hujjah and his proof. There is so much out there in this world. There are so many, we live in a competing marketplace, isn't it? Where the deen of Islam or religion, meaning serious religion that acts as a way of changing our life, of reforming us, of making us better people, of guiding us in our daily life. This is one thing in a marketplace of ideas, in a marketplace of opportunities in a free market economy, so to speak. There's a free market economy when it comes to morality and there's a free market economy when it comes to the purchase and sale of goods. People can purchase and sell their religion if they choose to do so. But what the Imam is inviting us is saying that if we want to see tawfiq, if we want to see God's grace, if we want to see God's mercy, if we want to see God's beneficence and, 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 and light in our life, then we must do three things. Number one, we must turn away from our desires. That is those things that we know the Imams and the Ahlul Bayt have told us not to do, that the, the, that the book of Allah and the Ahlul Bayt have told us not to do. We have to turn away from our hawa. Or if we find ourselves at a crossroads, right? The Prophet has always told us this. My dear sisters and my dear brothers, if you find yourself at a crossroads in life where you don't know what to do, option A is technically not haram. Option B is technically not haram. Technically. Quote unquote, air quotes around it. 
But you know in your heart that your hawa and your shahwa, your desires and your lust is pulling you towards option B. The Imam is saying that if you or I want the benefit of being graced with his guidance and the tawfiq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during this period especially during all periods but especially during this period he is speaking to us then we must turn away from that how many times in our life will we find ourselves at that crossroad at that fork in the road where you can go right or you can go left and neither is to and it's not a black and white answer And number two, we do this so that we stay upon the pure deen that Allah and the ma'asumin have given to us. That we don't tinker with it like some kind of Frankenstein. Yes, we adapt in certain ways that Islam is a flexible deen it's, it's a deen that adapts to different cultural environments. That's how it has spread over 1,400 years from Indonesia to Spain to Nigeria to Tanzania to North America to Europe. Yes, but there are elements of that religion that are among the thawabit and the daruriyat that are the necessary elements of that, which don't differ whether you are in Indonesia, whether you are in Spain, or whether you are in Nigeria, or whether you are in Toronto. Those elements of the deen do not differ. And we don't play games and Frankenstein and tinker with those elements. Because the Imam has said that one of the signs of those who are on the right path during the occultation are those who stay upon their asal. Their origins. And then they are encountered with certain things in their life that they ask themselves a question why, but they can't necessarily find an answer for it. Aside from the single answer that because God willed it to be so. But the followers of the Imam at times in their life must be content with the answer that this is the irada of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They have to be content. This is the third point. They have to have this contentment that God has a plan for all of us. And a part of the length of this occultation, part of that is the qadr of Allah azza wa jal, the determination of Allah. Yes, there are other factors Right? For example, praying for the coming of the Imam, praying for the ta'jil al-faraj, all of those things for hastening the reappearance of the Imam in his duhur. Yes. But an element of this at the end of the day is the determination and the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is a period of imtihan, this is a period of test. And this Followers of the Imam, in the Imam's own words, in his own letter, states that his followers do not 
investing, do not try to dig into something that at the end of the day the answer is Allah's will. Salu ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad. Then, my dear brothers and my dear sisters, now that we've set this foundation, this foundational premise, this what I call a worldview, a way of thinking, a modus operandi, a way of oper- an operating base during the ghaibah, as the imam himself has taught us. Then when we turn to the riwayah regarding dua al-ahad, narrated by Imam Sadiq salam, who tells us that the one who supplicates to Allah, man da'a illallah, arba'in sabahan bihad al-ahad, and the one who prays to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, supplicates to Allah for 40 mornings, with this pledge of allegiance to the imam of the time, will be from among the helpers and the ansar of the imam. Yes, because they have turned against their desires that oppose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because my dear brothers, one thing that I've realized, this world will betray you. It will betray you. People will betray you. The world will betray you. There will be times where you will feel, why me? Why am I alone? That's par for the course. This world was never meant to be a resting place for the mu'mineen. There will be good times and there will be hard times. This is the nature of this world. It's not only a place, an abode that we will experience khiyana and betrayal, but it's also a place that when we look back on our life, it's like a blink of an eye. I'm hitting 40, and I look back at 20, and I think about my life, that I'm reaching that halfway point now, almost. And I look back in my life, and I just think, how many opportunities have I squandered to reach higher, to do better, to improve myself spiritually, to make better decisions. And when we renew our pledge of allegiance to the Imam of the time, we do so with all of this in our mind and our hearts. And the Imam says, Imam Asadik says, Salamu that the one who does this for 40 mornings will be raised that if they die before the coming of the Imam, أَخْرَجُهُ Allah Ta'ala min qabri. Allah will bring him or her from their grave to be with the Imam, to fight alongside the Imam. وَأَطَاءُهُ Allah بِكُلِّ كَلِمَةً أَلِفْ حَسَنًا وَمَحَا عَنْهُ أَلِفْ سَيَّةً And for every word, Allah will give them a thousand good deeds and erase from them a thousand of their bad deeds. Meaning, it's filled with the mercy of Allah that when we choose to take the path of the Imam and we choose to pledge allegiance to the Imam through Dua Al-Ahad for those 40 mornings that Imam Al-Sadiq has recommended, 
a change occurs in our life. We become transformed after those 40 mornings. There's something different about us. And we say, Allahumma ballik mawlana al-imam al-hadi al-mahdi al-qa'im bi-amrillah. That, oh Allah, deliver our imam. Bring him to us. And make it so. وَعَلَىٰ آبَائِهِ الطَّاهِرِينَ فِي مَشَارِقِ الْأَرْضِ وَمَغَارِبِهَا And have him rule over this entire earth. But my dear brothers, my dear sisters, this requires the heart. This requires a heart that is prepared to receive the light of the imam. I know we recite these du'as, the ziyarat, we perform the a'mal. Yes, we must, we should. This is very important. But the heart has to be prepared stay, to stay away from the hawa, to not perform those things, to, to stay, to, to ask themselves, how many times have I or you compromised? What we know is haq, what we know is right. In the name of whatever it is, but at the end of the day, we know if our imam was with us, he would not approve. We know this deep down. And then we say, Allahumma inni ujaddidu lahu fi sabiha hadal yawm. That, oh Allah, today I renew for him. In this morning, I renew my pledge of allegiance to you, Ya Sahib al-Asri wa Zaman. In, this, in the days of my life, as a pledge that hangs around my neck, ahadan wa akadan fi bay'at lahu fi unqi. That it's something like a collar around my neck, meaning it is so strong, my allegiance to my imam, my being with my imam, my staying with my imam is so strong that it will be like this after these 40 mornings, inshallah, for the rest of my life, I've made a change. It's very powerful, it's a very beautiful amal. And there's no better day, I think, than the 15th of Sha'aban to remember. On the day of the birth of the Imam, when he was born, and there was a column of light, and he said, La ilaha illallah. And I'll share with you two more traditions, and then I'll conclude, inshallah, shortly. When the Imam returns, salamullahi alayhi, there's a beautiful riwayah narrated in, 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 in Al-Kafi where Imam Sadiq tells us that when the Imam will come, this is so beautiful, pay attention to this. إِذَا قَامَ قَائِمُنَا وَضَعَ اللَّهِ يَدُهُ عَلَى الرُّؤُوسِ الْعِبَادِ that when the Qa'im arrives, the Savior, when he arrives, Allah will put his hand on the heads of his servants. And through that, their intellects will come together. This is incredible. That when the Imam returns, there will be a collective intellect a collective joining of forces of the servants of God. 
وَكَمَلَتْ بِهِ أَحْلَامُهُمْ And their dreams, their visions rather, will be completed. That the visions they had of justice, of fair play, of iman, of bringing the light of Ahlul Bayt back to bring up a better society, all these the ahlam will come to fruition. It will be complete through the coming of the Qa'im. It's very beautiful. But this is very interesting. Their intellects will come together. Jama'a biha uqulahum. That the uqul, the intellects, will be united. That there will be like this moment of intense teamwork, of, of global collaboration. All of it in service of Allah's hujjah. That they will be united on their path for truth. And they will be shown the beautiful path through the rising of the Savior. What a beautiful thing. Then we read, this is amazing, brothers and sisters. Really, really amazing. Listen to this. Then we read, the Imam Sadiq narrates that when the Savior arrives, Allah will extend to the Shi'as ears and their eyes an ability to speak to the Imam although they are not with him. Think about this. That somehow they will be able to transmit to them information through their vision and their hearing although he's not in their presence. حَتَّى يَكُونَ بَيْنَهُمْ وَبَيْنَ الْقَائِمِ بَرِيدٌ يُكَلِّمُهُمْ فَيَسْتَمِعُونَ وَيَنْظُرُونَ إِلَيْهِ وَهُوَ فِي مَكَانِهِ That they will be able to hear him and see him although he is in his place. He could be in Makkah but we are here. Isn't that possible now? Think about it. At that time people thought how could this be? That you could see and hear someone on the other side of the world? And he, he's in his place. So it's clear here that the Imam will have some sort of special apparatus by which he can communicate with the Shia. Some kind of encrypted line, shall we say. Video and sound communication. Now we know this is possible today. At that time, did they? I think they thought it was something unusual. But it's not, and I'll tell you why. There's a riwayah, and I'll, I, I will end with this, with this riwayah, with this hadith, in the, in the Kamal al-Din of Sheikh al-Saduq. Again, talking about how this becomes possible, that the intellects will be united, our visions will come to completion. 
We will be able to see and hear the Imam even though we are not with him. So it will be some kind of line of secure communication between the Imam and his Shia. And there's a beautiful hadith from the Prophet himself, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, where he was with Amir al-Mu'mineen. And it's a very long hadith in Kamal al-Din of Shaykh al-Saduq. It's Musnad to Imam al-Ridha. The Sanad goes back to Imam al-Ridha alayhi salam, who narrates from Imam al-Kadhim, who narrates from Imam al-Sadiq, who narrates from Imam al-Bakir, going all the way back to Amir al-Mu'mineen, who narrates from the Prophet. The Prophet says that when he went for his night journey, Lamma bi ila sama, he says when he was taken, rather, when he was taken to the heavens, there was some communication that occurred between him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I don't need to go through everything except for the fact that the prostration of the angels to Adam was ta'adhima lana wa ikraman. So he was, he was taken like in a moment of time to see the angels prostrating to Nabi Adam. And at that point it is told to him, O oh Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam, this is a moment that the prostration of these angels to Adam symbolizes not only their prostration to the light that Allah has put within him, but rather it is a sign of their exaltation and honor of you because your light has been placed into the sulp and the loins of Adam. And then on and on the angels are given the knowledge of la ilaha illallah, so on and so forth. Then the prophet says, peace and blessings be upon him. He says, then it was called out to me, Ya Muhammad, haulai awliya'i wa ahibai. He saw the lights, the 12 lights of the 12 imams were shown before him. These are my proofs, O Muhammad. Allah speaking to the Prophet. These are my proofs after you. And they are your successors and your khulafa. And they are the best of my creation, the 12 imams. And Allah says, by my might and my grandeur, I will use these 12 imams to spread my religion through the earth. And I will use these 12 imams to raise my word. Meaning the Quran, everything that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that they will be the ones who will exalt Allah's words. And I will purify the earth with the last of the imams. Allah says, I will purify the earth with the last of the imams from my enemies. And I will empower him to govern masharik al-ard wa magharibiha. La'umallikannahu. And I will give him the mulk. I will give him the power to control the east and the west. This is the imam. La'usakhiranna'lahu al-riyah. I will give him power over the wind. And I will make it submissive to him. And then he says, This is the interesting part here. And the causation in science, the asbab, cause and effect. 
I will make him, I will make this whole process of cause and effect in the universe submissive to him. It's very deep that the concept of asbab, that yes, there will be means by which the imam can, can communicate with us. But these means will be so advanced because Allah will make it so that one, the intellect will reach such a high place and all of that power and might will be put at the disposal of the imam of the time. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hasten his reappearance and give us the tawfiq to be among those who pledge our allegiance and give our bay'ah to the imam of the time. And inshallah, we prepare for his dhuhr and we pledge our allegiance to him and we raise our children with his love and his memory and his connection. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَ وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَى سَيِّدِنَا مُحَمَّدٍ وَآلِهِ